And welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast. It's beer, metal, and swearing. I am, of course, Nick Cameron, joined by my favorite large mammal, Capybara Chuckus. How are we doing today, buddy? I wish I was a capybara. They just seem so happy and cute. Uh, my beer check today is a big 2022 Sierra Nevada Bigfoot style, Bigfoot barley wine style ale. A hefty mm-hmm. 9.5% ABV. Mm-hmm. It's only my second beer of the day because my daughter knocked over my second. Oh no. Yes, and thankfully it did not break my St. Louis Blue Stanley Cup pint glass. Oh wow, it was in that glass. Huh? I see you have a Molson. Is, uh, is that another glass there? Molson Canadian. I've got about 20 pint glasses. No shit. I have a collection of them. They are not here in California because I was afraid to ship them. Um, yeah. Um, <sighs> what do you got tonight? Nice ones. What do I have? My beer check is, once again, the lovely brand Four Point Brewing from San Francisco. This is a beer I have not had before. I'm doing the model hand pose mm-hmm. to Nick, who no one who is listening to this podcast can see. This is Villager. India Pale Ale by Four Point Brewing here right down the way from me in the Mission District of San Francisco. This is a 6.3 ABV. And uh, I'm going to pop this puppy. And again, I'm a big fan of this brand. I drink their regular IPA oh, good all pop. the time. Good pop. Good pop. really good. Yeah, it's like a... My, uh, my backup this evening is a Double Dales Imperial IPA. Which Love I had Dales. not. Is that Oscar Blues? We love Oscar that. Blues. Yes, it is. It is a nine percent, nine percent ABV IPA. Which that is my of... wheelhouse right there. Yeah, my favorite bar locally up the block for me where uh, Metal Night is tonight. Maybe I'll go. Maybe I won't. I'm not really feeling too keen on going out of the house. Like my PJs on already, so I don't know. <laughs> but um, they serve the Dale's Oscar in the blue can that you see me here with. So, love Dale's. Love uh, I'm not a big Dales. fan of their like citrus stuff, but I'm not a big fan of anybody's citrus stuff, so it is what it is. I, yeah, I uh, got this the other night. I actually got the, the barley wine one. It's kind of funny because I went to the new Randall's, which is our local liquor store, and I spent 18 bucks on a six-pack. I went to the old Randall's, and they had it for 13 Hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck? But whatever. So, uh, vinyl check for me this week. I've got, uh, I picked up uh, on Sunday, Found It in the Wild, Death on the Road, Iron Maiden's 2004 live album. Look at my face of surprise. That is awesome. I got it for $25. I was actually really shocked at the price of that one. So I had had to come home with that. On Monday, I finally pulled the trigger on David Lee Roth, Crazy from the Heat. Fuck yeah, son. Then this evening, I picked up on Discogs a copy of Run DMC, Raisin Hell. It was uh, finally time to get a copy of that. And a I record also, that should be in every hip hop aficionado's collection for sure. That should be in everybody's music collection. That I that agree. album is a tu- is a cultural touchstone. I agree. Uh, and Penn and Teller did a great a great job on the several videos they were in, which is kind of pointless but awesome. I am a Penn and Teller fan, and I saw their show in Vegas once where they shot each other in the fucking face. Oh my god! With laser sighted guns that looked like the Terminator, and they caught the bullet in their mouths. Ah, uh-huh. I got one more. Uh, Endless Floods, Circle of the Gold. Ooh. Yep, I got. Uh, I have two on vinyl that I bought forever ago. 
Um, and I finally got around to getting this one. Endless Floods, great doom metal band, especially if you don't want to know the names of too many songs. This one has two. I know the band a little bit. I am now intrigued because you know that doom is my joint. Especially as I get older, I get slower, and I want slower, older riffs. Oh, this is slow. It. I mean, doom metal is it's frustrating because I, I, I picked up guitar about 15 years too late because doom metal is made for me. You don't got to be Same. nimble. You just got to be you got to be patient. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I'm not patient enough, <laughs> but it'll probably happen one day. What you what you got on your vinyl check this week? freaking G. Uh, again, had been trying to be chill and not buy too much stuff. But yeah, same. Thing, things are coming in. I have gone to a couple of shows where there was stuff to pick up. And then I passed by a record store yesterday and I could not pass up said sales. So, what do we have here in this pile of music? That's a goodly, that's a, that's a bonnie pile, as groundskeeper Willie would say. That's right. So, first and foremost, I have Ghost Hunter's Moon, the 7 inch, mm-hmm. the new Ghost single. Um, I just saw Ghost two nights ago in Reno, Nevada. I traveled eight hours both ways to go see this band, Volbeat, and the incredible Twin Temple, who I have a vinyl check for right here, because they had a vinyl on sale, and I wanted to support them. Oh, I love that cover. Dude, and then the back cover. I mean, these are... I, she might be on a step stool. She's a little shorter than he is. <laughs> He's rather tall. They might have put her up on a... Well, she's got some pretty tall hair in that picture, too. She does rock the beehive. Um, If you're not a fan of Twin Temple, here's the the hashtags. Feminist, satanic, doo-wop. Exactly what it sounds like. Incredible. I'm confused and intrigued. um, I will just briefly mention that the Ghost Show was phenomenal. Rather than a long take on that, there'll be a review on Ghost Cult, I think, tomorrow or Monday. And the show was amazing. Uh, Ghost and Volbeat also at that show had a 7-inch of their two Metallica covers, and I spaced and forgot about it till the end of the show, and of course they were sold out for the night. Uh. So I need somebody to get me one, because they're only on sale. I think you can maybe buy them online. <clears throat> I did buy quite a bit of Twin Oh, you'll be merch. able to spend way too much on it on Discogs in a couple of months. That's what I'm afraid of. Um, I don't need it, but I kind of... It's it's Ghost doing Enter Sandman and Volbeat doing I think Sad but True or something, which is like, do you really need these? No. I would rather have had an all metal Metallica's cover than the the Blacklist album. People have heard me complain about this. Okay, in the running for my album of the year already, unopened yet, but I've listened to a lot on Bandcamp. Is Boy Harsher's soundtrack for The Runner, starring Chris from King Woman in a sort of horror short film. And this soundtrack is an incredible, Boy Harsher's a synthwave band, incredible, incredible band, great. His album's unbelievable. Um, I would put it up against the best of Carpenter Brute, Gunship, um, you know, Ghost from France, G-O-S-T, bands like that. Um, And then, so on my way back from Reno, I had a layover briefly in Sacramento, Non, somewhat nondescript Sacramento, although they have a lot of metal clubs and shows that go through there. Um, and so there's a record store there. There are two of them in the area called, they're called The Cave. They buy and sell all kinds of stuff. They have incredible new used vintage vinyl. 
They it's kind of also like a Spencer's. They have a lot of novelty stuff. They have DVDs and toys. It's insane. I'm gonna put a post on my uh, Insta when this call is over and this uh, pod is over. So I had some money burning a hole in my pocket still, and I wanted to get some stuff to support these guys. So what do we get? Kaya Sky Valley. Have to have it. Everybody's collection. I did not have this on vinyl criminally. I normally, you know, I'm fair to Midland on Josh Homie these days, but like can't fuck with Kaya's. I was a huge fan. I probably should go take a photo somewhere in the desert in front of this sign like everybody else. <laughs> uh, Helmet, brand new live album, Live and Rare. Everyone who knows in the sound of my voice, I'm in a massive Helmet fan from New York City, as are they. Riffs for days. Riffs for days, including a show I was at, Helmet at CBGB in 1990s. It's like one of the things. Speaking of shows I was at, I nearly, you know that I recently bought that Metallica at Woodstock mm-hmm. uh, vinyl. They had a similar thing maybe from the same company of Nine Inch Nails Woodstock performance, but I passed on it for now because it was like 40 bucks, And I was like, do I need what? this? Okay, just out of curiosity, what's a record cost? What's a new record cost in San Francisco? I, 20 to 25 bucks. Oh, um, sometimes the same more, as it is here. Sometimes more, depends. I think the double's always a little bit more. Yeah, well, yeah. It just depends. Um, I might have already had this, so if this is a double, I'll send it to you for free. This is Mono Lord's <laughs> new record. Your Time to Shine. I'm really fucking up lately, and I'm just not paying attention when I buy things. And then I'm on the train home on the Amtrak, and I'm like, didn't I have that already? Why did I fucking buy this? And I put back things I could have bought that I don't have. So, my I, uh, I actually had a couple of Guar records in my hand, and I don't know. I, I, I like early, early Guar. I'm not a big fan of the later Guar when the members yeah. changed up a bit. I understand. I, I had an exchange with people who are like, fuck Gore without Brocky. I get it. Those other guys, there's like 10, 15 other, 20 other people who are Slave Pit Incorporated who depend on Gore to feed their families and make a living. No, I, I, I get that. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about post-Brocky. You mean the I'm music. talking about... The more metal Gore is not for you. Thrashy Gore is not yeah, for you. Yeah, like when I saw them on Sounds and of Terror Gore, basically. Yeah, like an 06-ish. Yeah. Maybe a 07. Um... They, it just, it was modern metal and a little bit. A I like the bit. more, I like the more crossover guar, fun crossover thrash gore. Yeah, yeah. Um, Corey Smoot, rest in peace, was the reason for the crossover thrash gore sound, and he passed away sadly. Right. I mean, I get it. They they changed even Brock. though the the characters basically stayed the same. It's different people playing, and they don't. They Somewhat. didn't pull it. They didn't I mean, pull a kit. They didn't pull a kiss, making them play like the old guys. They played their style. And yeah, there's there's some core guys still there, but they do have quite a few new people now. It is quite a new band. I do love "Fuck This Place." It is an anthem for the last couple of years for me. <laughs> uh, closing out the vinyl check. Really sorry, quickly. sorry. No, no, no. This is good sidebars. Closing out the vinyl check with two famous Roberts who sing. Robert number one. This is a record. I'm sure I'm the only one who loves, but this is Robert Palmer, rest in peace also. Oh, he died? He has been dead quite a while. I didn't know. He died at 54, I think 15 years ago. Wow, that is, yeah. Sorry. Uh, No, it's quite all right. Uh, This is the Addicted to Love is on this album, but Mm. like that's the song everybody knows, but actually the entire record is bangers. He had a beautiful voice. He did. He had a great voice. Power Station is worth getting. I don't know if there's a vinyl. He was a great... 80, late 80s, early 90s guy. I mean, he well, yeah. fit. Um, Bad Case of Loving You is like 77, 78, buddy. So, like, oh, he really wow. goes, goes back to even before the 80s. But he's obviously synonymous with, like, the cool MTV 
mod fake models, fake playing instruments in the video. Like that mm -hmm. video oh, was yeah. iconic. But I love um Power Station almost equally to Robert's solo stuff. So I saw the seven dollars for used a pretty mint copy. Seven, but I would have bought that if I saw that with the, if I saw it and it was smart mm -hmm. enough to pick it up and look at it, so addicted to love. Yeah, I would have dropped yeah. seven bucks. I didn't, I didn't really drop the prices on the other records. Maybe we should start dropping the prices when we mention what we paid for them. I don't mind. I'm not like whatever. Yeah, I don't mind. Money, I but... I paid a uh, dollar plus shipping for yeah. Crazy from the Heat. So yeah. couldn't um, you know? I finally decided because I got the the I got the first three David Lee Roth full length and. I, it's got just a gigolo, and I mean, if you don't yeah. like just a gigolo, you don't. You're not as old Dude. as me. It's just that's uh, that just whole, all there is to uh, it. California girls, that whole EP, oh, yeah. incredible. Ted Templeman, who also produced 1984 with, with the Van Halens, is on there as a producer. Smart by Dave, smart, great EP. Oh yeah, great. I mean, cemented it, his, continued to cement his grip on pop culture and the pop. World. See, I, I think David Lee Roth is one of those classic solo artists that, like roger waters is to me where he could leave the band and still bring the music with him i'm not a sammy fan as you know i'm just not a fan of his i know um, and that's that, i'm not a sammy fan of anything other than a couple of his van halen records yeah yeah i'm not knocking a guy's talent i just not a fan of yeah i know i get it i don't i i'm not I didn't like montrose i oh. can drive 55 i, I liked those i liked those songs before but then there was a huge radio station like show off of who loves sammy Moore at the same time and garbage it it became garbage it was like sammy music every other song you know i do like ou812 5150 for unlawful carnal knowledge that and you know for a guy that's had a 50-year recording career i really can't say i'm a fan of his if i only like three yeah. of his records same and i'm not trying to take anything away from him and I know oh no love it's him just and not love the, you know it's basically jimmy buffett for hard rock which also sucks. Jimmy Buffett sucks. I will never be a Jimmy Buffett fan. My my late parents were were parrot heads, and I'm I so did sorry. not fucking get it. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. My, it, my, whatever. It is what it is. Um, and then, um, endless floods was thirteen bucks. Nice. I am really gonna check that out. I'm very intrigued. Then um, send me a link or something. Or I'll get uh, Run DMC was uh, six bucks plus shipping. Amazing. I, I I do a lot of bargain shopping because you know mm -hmm. I buy some expensive shit and yeah, you got to even it out. I see. Uh, just really quickly, the Twin Temple was thirty. It was the only full vinyl on sale at the show. The other two were seven inches. Mm -hmm. They also I also I um <clears throat> there's also a Twin Temple vinyl that I a smaller seven inch. I got their seven inch of their brand new song. Let's all have a satanic orgy. I forgot to mention that. I don't have Andy. <laughs> I am and not a. In, it's in Spanish also. <clears throat> I am not a big. I'm not big on seven inch. I get you. Same. Um, no, I, I bought... That's what she said. Anyway. <clears throat> I think I bought like five new. Like yeah. I bought... Um... Shit, I'm not going to be able to remember their name now. Okay. There's a local band. I bought their 7-inch. Uh, they, they had a Dio cover on it. Nice. That's a It's going to drive me insane. Hang on. Hang on. Sorry. I had to go over and grab it because it was going to drive me insane. Local band in St. Louis. Bruiser Queen. Uh, I've got their Telepathic Mind 7-inch, which on the B-side has Rainbow in the Dark. Word. Always They're uh, one of those mini duo bands. It's uh, I believe it's a husband and wife. Don't quote me on that. Hmm. little avant-garde, little little noisy. If you like Skating Polly or uh, you know bands like that, it might be right up your alley. Very cool, very cool. So Twin Temple was 30 at the show. Mm -hmm. Which, um, I mean, 30 at a show for 
for a new band, a new double, album. A double vinyl of oh, their completely live stream in line. performance Com- with a satanic ritual and everything. Yeah, completely in line. And all their hits or whatever up to now. And um, uh, the Monolord was 20, brand new. 20. I saw that. Black vinyl. And $6.99 for Palmer, which I can put down. And Caius was 25, totally worth it. And then, right in time for some future work, another Robert. Principle <laughs> of Moments, well, Robert Plant. We might as well. How much was that? 12 bucks. I got mine for five. Yeah, that's better than 12. But like, uh, was there like... was. <clears throat> we, used to, we used to have a bevy of <clears throat> antique malls here, and I'd go buy records at the antique malls before. When I when I was in a much less strong when I was in a far weaker financial place than I am now, mm-hmm. I mean that's when ten dollars for a record was a lot for me. And that at that antique mall, they actually had an original pressing of Load for twenty five dollars, and I didn't buy it. And then you they, you got it recently. Yeah, no, I, that was Reload. I got recently, but it was an Electra pressing, nineteen ninety six pressing, and I knew and I didn't buy it, and I've regretted it ever since. So, fuck FOMO. <laughs> I, uh, is a motherfucker. I, I have a rule if I, especially if I'm in an antique mall if, it, if I don't know what to buy or I haven't found anything if it's somebody I've heard of and it's five dollars I will buy it alright yeah I mean yeah um, but I, I guess since you've already teased it we might as well announce the next uh, series real quick sure. we, the, we're gonna, this is the last episode of Faith No More then we're going to have a chaser episode because we're doing chaser episodes now to keep a break and then after that, we're going to do Robert Plant of the 80s. I have never been a big fan of his until all of a sudden I acquired everything he did up until 1990. Just kind of, and I didn't order any of them. I found them all in the wild. And the most I paid was, uh, I got Manic Nirvana. Is that right? Yeah, Manic Nirvana. Or is it Now and Zen? Which is the one where he's on the, where he's on the cliffs? Now and Zen. Okay, Manic Nirvana. Manic, Nir- Manic Nirvana has the weird tie, like just bizarre '80s graphic cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got that one for. I, that's the most I paid for it. I got that for twenty bucks. Still a good deal. No, it was not a bad deal. I, 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 I didn't buy it the first time I saw it. I went back. It was still there. I went. You know what? Fuck this. I'm buying it. Hmm. Um. I distinctly went into that cave record store with an agenda to try to find either this Faith and More record we're going to talk about in a minute. Find a Robert Plant record so we could do at least one together on vinyl. Uh, I was looking for Sid Barrett, Barrett, <clears throat> and Madcap Laughs, and just looking for things. They'd yeah, we can talk about that. A, we are a lot uh, of eclectic stuff, but not those things that I wanted. Keefy's going to join me and my buddy Duncan on another episode of Department of Middle Antiquities, where we are doing Barrett, which features David Gilmore on, as producer and bass player. Rick Wright on keyboards, Sid Barrett on vocals and guitar, and then a drummer. I forget his name. Hey, would you blow me? Sure, why not? Uh, Ass Finkter says what? So I will also just quickly, I'm very excited about Robert Plant because I love most of the 80s Robert Plant stuff, especially those last two ones you mentioned. I will also say I did get two CDs. Let's just mention them for goodwill. I also saw, saw Ghost the other night, but I saw Death Angel last Saturday here in San Francisco at their headline show at the Great American Music Hall. And the two opening bands had CDs, which I bought one of each, which was Mordred, which you might know, is a very Faith No More sounding metal band from the Bay Area who claims they were Faith No More before Faith No More. They claim they were the first rap metal band before Run DMC, Rage Against the Machine, 
biohazard, hardcore rapping, hardcore bands doing rap. I don't believe that, but Mordred, to me, their best stuff is their early thrash stuff, but they do have kind of a hip-hop thing in them, rapping, kind of sometimes danceable music thing. <laughs> they do have a DJ I, on their band. I, I will buy a CD or two at a show if they're five bucks. Yep, I I may pay a little bit more for one of these, and then the other one. Yeah, the Mordred is brand new, and I I paid fifteen, which is high, but I wanted to support them, and I had bought a bunch of Death Angel stuff, like a shirt. Well, I mean, the thing is, is Death, you know, I got a shirt. I, I mean, I get it. You're gonna juice it up a little bit at a show, but being as I don't listen to CDs, yeah, yes, it's yeah, it's kind of not a good purchase. I do have an external CD player for my laptop that I use sometimes, but you know, I've, I I've also, got a. I've got a ceiling Here, on mine. That's here's why. a band you will like. And you, again, link me back to that other one when we get off this call. But here's a band I think you will like a lot. This is another Bay Area band called Molten, like Lava. Ooh. Molten is very much in the vein of Obituary and Jungle Rock, where they're like a thrashy-sounding band with a mm. death metal singer. They would be a death metal band to me, but they have a lot of thrash in them. And I think you, particularly your personal taste, you would love this band. Mord- Check them out. Molten. Molten. Okay. Molten and Mordred is the you know famous third wave San Francisco Bay Area thrash band with a little rap in them. Anywho. Sorry, I'm also ch- keeping an eye on the blue score they just scored. 3-1 blue. Nice. Nerd, nerd. Nice. Nope. So, I will also say that at the Death Angel show, I had the new Death Angel beer. Um, there's a beer company out here they have teamed up with for four or five other beers. Every year they do a new beer. So their new beer is the Absence of Light Stout. It was delicious, so much so that I bought a case and have it coming. A case? Wow. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, I, I a four-pack. Say... Not a case, a four-pack. I okay. can't afford a case. I, um, I, you know, I love metal. I love beer. But I have not found a heavy metal beer that I can say I'm buying I, this for the beer. That helmet beer is absolutely my fa- my my second favorite beer ever. It's a Kolsch ale. It's exactly what I love. Oh, I and hate And then Kolsch. I cannot get it here, but the Mastodon Hunter beer, if you can get it somehow to you, and I know they have a brand new one that is for Hushed and Brim that you can only get in Atlanta. I asked my Atlanta buddy to send me some or bring me some when he comes out here. Well, long-time listeners know I uh, I cracked open the Trooper IPA for one of our, and I hated it. Yeah, it's not good. It's not my, no. It's not a thing It's for not me. good. And, and it's I mean, wonderful. I'm thrilled. Robinson's is a good beer company. I had the one that, like, one that's the, the red one at the listening party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I used to live in Brooklyn, we, they'd have these, let's, we're going to celebrate the release of the Dream Theater Barstool Beer, Barstool Warrior Beer. Or the, I went to the, and now closed, at Paul Booth's. Uh, tattoo theater and art gallery. They had the Behemoth beer release for I Love You at Your Darkest, which was a pretty good beer. I didn't think it was great, but it was good, especially because it was free and I drank like three of them. See, that's how I feel about the, just the regular Trooper. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's not great, and it's I not pay worth extra for it, even right. if it's Iron Maidens. It's got a great bottle. And it's you said a... the pit, the Enter Night Pilsner from Metallica is terrible. Is that right? It yes, it is revoltingly awful it's Holy not shit. even it's not even a pilsner but i mean oh, really? we're we're talking about a group of people that in their beer drinking days drank coors light yes they drank garbage swill well yeah because well, cliff them all i'm pretty sure they're getting a case of grolsch uh no they had he- they had grolsch and they had heineken 
Well, Heineken's good. You're pretty good. Heineken's okay. good. That's all right. I, but, I went to the Heineken factory tour in Amsterdam. It was fun. And I believe Kirk also grabbed a uh, some snowballs the, at the liquor store. The most trash tier of Hostess cakes is a snowball. Coconut anything is not a good idea. Well, you know, these guys were not precisely like refined water. gentlemen. You no. know, I will I will compliment the Metallica whiskey as again having is it good? very good. I had it I twice had now. It. I mistakenly took a shot of it once. It's not a shot whiskey. It's a sipping whiskey. Is not meant to be down. <laughs> uh, dope. And then I had it again just recently during the Metallica takeover week. Fair enough. You know, I, I would try it if I had the opportunity, but I'm not going to drop no. 60 bucks on, on a, a bottle, bottle that I've never you don't had. know if you like it or not. No, it's just right. not, I'm not rolling like that either. Anywho, lots of alcoholism, lots of vinyl, uh, lots of concert talk, lots of stuff. I, uh, oh, real yeah. quick. Uh, Last thing I'll say, and then I'll shut up on my sidebars for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, checked out the Gilmore experience that we had talked about. Yes. It is actually a very new thing. He started in 2021. And if you go to the GilmoreExperience.com, you can even see the set list. And it is not a Pink Floyd set list. It is, okay. it so is both. I was confused. There's a separate thing happening here. A separate thing. It may even be on tour. Called the Gilmore this- Project. Yeah, this is not thing. the same. This guy, if you go to the tour page, okay, it says St. Louis, yeah, the one guys, I'm going to. These guys are national. They are doing a tribute to Dark Side of the Moon, which is not just David Gilmour, right? But they consider that to be his pinnacle, whatever. I mean, it's hard to argue. Three of the best guitar solos of all time are on that album, at least, if not more. Um, there was no... And... and Gotta have a Pink Floyd minute, I guess. I, I'm sorry, I brought it up. I started every it. couple of every couple of episodes. There's a Pink Floyd check in. Go ahead. And I'm also going to the St. Louis Symphony Pink Floyd show. That I would be into, man. Uh, my my daughter gets the other ticket. We, uh, we each well, got yeah, a ticket. No, I can't make it out. I'm already not coming next week. I'm very sad. And be uh, there in ten days if, I, if our plans were still on. But I hear you. I hear you. It's and just the uh, time in the world, buddy. It it is. It is. It, you know, it, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Except, you know, down the street, basically. But, where was I? I, I lo- oh, um, Dark Side of the Moon is probably their best album, though not my favorite. Mm. Every member of the band on that record turned in just a masterful performance, and they were all working together. Roger wrote it, wrote most of it, and the rest of them filled it out. He he gave he gave it was like Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Roger gives him the outline, and they made it great. Fair enough. Um, I guess. Um, well, well, well. You know what? We'll we'll do Pink Floyd of the seventies, and we'll just the, this thing. Well, fight it out. We, I don't know if people want to hear if they want to even have a sit through. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> For four episodes, uh, we'd be like five episodes, just like. It, I don't know if how good a listening experience. We have to talk about how to do it because it would be hard for me to rein it in. Like I, I think would, we would have to do. Maybe we need like a third person to moderate or something and be like someone who hates Pink Floyd. But like, Animal sucks. They only have five songs. Fuck that <laughs> album. Like we need that guy to come. I, on I think what we would have fan. to do is we would each pick three albums mm. <clears throat> out of the run. We need okay. to pick three. Anyway, fun. moving on. Let's get off Pink Floyd for a minute. I uh, yeah, well let's let's go on to um a different progressive band. A different band. 
a band somewhat influenced by, by Pink Floyd. It's funny that they never did a Pink Floyd cover. So we have reached the, the end that of the That would be road. amazing if I they picked it. the right one. I know. We've reached the end of, of our run of Faith No More. With I'm the, sorry, it would be the Nile song. I want to hear really, Mike. Yeah. I want to hear Mike Patton yes. sing the the Nile song. Yes, I would love anything like that. Not so much, and also Roddy. Um, so late in the '90s, you know, we did King for a Day. Very split, Nick and I, on King for a Day. It is not, in hindsight, I like it more now than I did when it came out. It is. It is the most Mr. Bungle record Faith No More has ever done. If that's possible. They're not the same band. They're not similar bands other than they share a vocalist. And But yes, King for a Day was still awesome. It's got some great songs. Where it's high, it's very high. Where it's low, some of it doesn't work too well. But I, I like know, most of it. I, I know I was really down on it. And, but right. there were things I liked. I, yeah, I, really, yeah. I really did like Evidence. Evidence, Digging in the Grave. I just I, thought it was such an RV. Uneven, take this bottle. Some of these songs are. Amazing. It was such an uneven record because it, it it didn't feel like a record. It felt yeah. which Faith No More and the previous three records were really good at album sequencing, at everything, at making a forty five minute or fifty minute piece of music, and that's and and as we've discussed many times, you and I view these things differently you view them as you average out the parts whereas i take i'm 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 simplifying you give points for extra highs whereas i don't for me it is a single slab of music or two slabs if it's vinyl you know however you want to look at it and this one just felt like such a start and stop kind of thing for me had some really good songs but it also did not feel like and and again i had never heard king for a day i was not interested mm -hmm. so i will also say that king for a day has that bungle sound because it now has had two bungles on it two bungle lights which is right. trey who did not stay but trey and Patton. and i think they had hoped that trey would stay yeah he didn't even he, he was, didn't even do the tour he was not interested in touring dean menta who was roddy's keyboard tech who also diddled in guitar came on and toured a little bit but really he um wasn't gonna make it basically in the band as a contributor and they didn't like the stuff he wrote at all like even more hard yeah. gym stuff and remember that they go on these tours so like you know they make they make king for a day and they go on tour and they're still playing all their hit their stuff so whoever comes out on tour with them has the unenviable task of replicating jim's work um when he has a singular style very much so i think he had a so, great feel and a great tone and it's hard to replicate those things for anyone. that's I, and that's what i loved about jim it wasn't that he was a great guitar a great guitar player i mean if you compared him to his contemporaries in in metal he does not stand up he is a bluesy thrashist which is weird to begin with that he he is i think what kirk hammett wanted to be on the black album and load and reload fair enough very fair um so they go to they get off the road after king for a day continues to their star continues to elevate uh, digging the grave video was in Beavis and Butthead. They played on like late night with Letterman and Conan and Arsenio, 
and you know it's they... hard to understate how imp- how different music is now compared to then right where it wasn't as available it wasn't as available in those things like being on conan being on snl Helped even sell being... records to people who would not buy them you know, getting getting your video played on MTV at three thirty seven in the afternoon got you two hundred thousand copies sold, and now those things are gone. Right. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. So, and also at the same time, the King for a Day cycle ends. Mister Bungle puts out Disco Volante and tours heavily because they are becoming a a pretty big band at this time so again you know like you can see there's a fracturing of the band it's it's harder to keep a successful veteran band together and um they reconvene to start making album of the year and you know i know that you know there's like a thing in their wikipedia who says uh you know we're rarely in the same city for three weeks at the same time so we had to take advantage of whenever we were all around we had to work you know feverishly with some pressure but i think i'm going to give the summary the mini summary first and say that i think they came back with album of the year is more along the lines of the real thing and angel dust than king for a day it's the like a logical should have been the next record before they did the way out record like king for a day it's a little more straight ahead composing wise a lot more straight ahead than everything oh. they've ever done well, that, I mean that's not unfair but I think there's also still in this album similarly to Angel Dust threads of Introduce Yourself for Russell on here and I, some missed, of that, I missed every bit I, of that okay well I feel because Roddy is back to being himself you know intervention over sober and drug free you know I think Roddy and his contributions you know they're not many, but they're there. Like there's more. I, I will group say this. Closing on this one than the last one. I'll say this right now. It was more like Faith No More than the previous record, and far less like what I consider to be Faith No More. Jason Newstead talked about my Metallica for the fa- people that became okay. fans of Metallica before Reload and Load. That's my Metallica. I, know, I love that see... clip of him actually. It's like I can hear it and see it in my mind right now. And the the vitriol in his voice about that era. He was very unhappy with that. Yeah. <laughs> then the turned... last time you saw your heroes, they were wearing all black and they didn't have tattoos and they had Yeah, long but the hair. thing is is that was the he was no. the one that cut his hair first. He cut his hair first and he also had like the weird butthead haircut for a while. He had the butthead shaved on the sides and a poofy top. I don't know why he felt like he needed the never ending story haircut from nineteen eighty six, but he did. Look, um, one, do not judge me because I stole that haircut in the nineties. Yeah, we all. Well, who had a, who didn't have a mullet? If you didn't have a mullet, no, it, he didn't have a mullet. He, it was all he had long. A mullet at one point. No, so James. James, had Jason, a crazy James had a mullet. Jason never did. I, I did the Jason Newstead where I shaved it to the sides, and oh my god! And then I would like touch it. Anyway, moving on. You look. Um, hey, Beavis. So, like, like he said, you know, that was his Metallica. That was my faith no more, and. As we talked about with Guar earlier, bands grow and change, and that's the kind of band I love. I don't like a band like ACDC. They, they, for me, they've got four records out of like seven hundred that are worth listening to, and I really liked that last one. I was I, really pleasantly surprised at how good Power Up was. Okay, but like, yes, I, I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a Bond guy. 
I love Back in Black is equal to all the Bond records. Agreed. And then... Diminishing Returns. Wait, straight up Diminishing Returns from there on. But still, glad they're around. Never saw Malcolm But Barry's that, there. I mean, that is a great instance of a band that never really... They, they, they grew to a point, you know, that tree, and then they became a bonsai tree. Except a bonsai tree with a shitty tender. And... Because it didn't get better, it got worse. I don't agree, but okay. I've been watching a lot of Cobra Kai. So I love Cobra Kai season. This season's been incredible. I finished um, it. I've, I've, I've been anyway. So the I point about the this was th- this is a band that has a different sound every record, and that's awesome. Whether or not the different sound is what I am into is another thing. You know, Iron Maiden grew and changed. Metallica grew and changed. Guar grew and changed. Faith No More grew and changed. The first two, I liked what they changed into. Except for saying anger, because fuck that noise. But, not... That's all I'm going to say? That's all we're going to... Okay, let me Let me say this also, which I think needs discussing. So, I think what they did get... So, I think Trey was the right guitar player to do the album they wanted to do on King for a Day. Because if you're going to be... You're going to go bungle, you get an extra bungle eye in there. And do what, you know... Uh, Trey is that guy. For this record, I'm going to say when they got rid of Dean and they got in John Hudson, who remains the Faith No More guitar player to this day, he is a guy who is kind of the guy that, like, he can do the gym stuff. I don't think he has the warmth that Jim has, but he can do the parts. He can riff. He's a riffer. But he also brings sort of an, like, not a full step away, a full left turn, but he can do like a left turn mm-hmm. and do all the different things. Well, and, so, and this... so like again, it's not a to to play guitar for Ozzy to play, you know, to play, um, you know, to be one of those guys to be in Zach Wilde's band and have to cover a lot of material of virtuoso guys, even if the material's not hard, the parts they play are hard. The songs are not hard, if you get what I mean. Um, to be able to do those things, to step into the shoes of some, you know, infamous people, to be Brad Wilk. And go on tour, or Clefudos, and go on tour with Ozzy or Sabbath is hard. It's not easy or enviable. For late, no, late, and I, you know. I do not envy any of those dudes for what they have to do. When you come in and you replace a founding member, it's one of the things we talked about on the DMA last week with Duncan. It's, you know, I think at any given point, 25% of your fans are your fans. And 75% are along for the ride at that moment. So it's kind of the same thing. Do you contemporize or do you stick to yourself? Mm. When you come in and you replace a founding member, do you contemporize that to your own style like Bruce Kulick did with Ace Freely solos? Mm. Or do you play it note for note like Tommy Thayer does or tries to do? Yeah. Be a Kulick. Don't be a Tommy. Right. Um, I completely... Maybe maybe Tommy cannot cannot be a a Kulick. Maybe that's the better way to put it. Um, no, and actually, Duncan's going to make me listen to a fucking Tommy Thayer black and blue record. That's not a bad record. Gene produced it. You'll like that. Um, mm, we'll see. So I will just, I just wanted to kind of just tie off the John thing, which is to say that not only was he the right guy to come in, ultimately to me, and that he remains with them, which is a credit to him, he wrote a majority of this record. He has a writing credit on almost every song. Like eighty percent of the songs of the twelve are by him, and the and even the bonus tracks that are not on the record are like by him. So like they let him come in and contribute a lot, and they did well, the same as thing you with should. Trey. Well, not every band can, and let's I know. Be honest, but when you have these bands of dominating 
artists, artists. I know, the fancy I know. Per, per, with the per, the pretentiousness of the word artiste meant on purpose here. Like these are all master killer ninja I, assassin level. Patton is the greatest singer in the world. Roddy might be one of the greatest keyboard players ever. Puffy is an incredible drummer. Billy is, is one of my heroes on bass, and he's an incredible bassist and an ear for bass playing. Like I, I will just say that I will I will never lose my fan. My fans' perspective, regardless of how jaded I might be, yeah. sitting across the, the the desk from these, some of these people, r- listening to all this music and reading all these autobiographies, I will never lose my fan perspective that you should be friends, you should like each other. Don Henley, looking at you, and shots fired. Mm-hmm. I know. No and, Don Felder, no Eagles to me. But anyway, and you should all. I mean, everybody should at least write their own parts. If you've written the song, that's one thing, but let somebody else fill it out their way. Indeed, but then it also becomes their thing. So a lot of I'm, having been in bands, <sighs> I know, it was I very know, hard. I, know. I was in a band just really quick. I was in a band where like, so we started out writing all together, and then we started bringing our own songs in. And when you brought your own song in, it was hard to hear it. So unless somebody put something on it that you liked, it was hard to hear it any other way but the way you thought it up. And that's a hard thing to do, and I'm not certainly not putting myself in the position of these guys. But like, I'm just saying. Facts. I mean, it's you're not putting yourself in the position of these guys, but you're looking at it from a little bitty, tiny baby perspective. Where it's same thing for me. You know, I wrote songs in my band. I wrote a great uh, four part, you know, metal progressive epic, and nobody could play it. Whoa! And it was. I'm sure it was in no keys whatsoever, but because mm-hmm. I couldn't, I didn't know any keys. But no, and, and I, I completely understand. So when you're talking when you're talking about you and me in the basement, or you know us going to play, going out with your band to play a club with eight people in attendance, and you're having these kind of moments about these songs, consider what the feeling must be like when it's about radio play, it's about singles, it's about playing this in front of thousands of people, and it becomes a whole different ball game. But I just always wish everybody was the same dudes that they were in the garage, and I know they're not, and I'm being naive. Mm. All right, fair enough. But I like my naive perspective better. Fair enough. Fair it's enough. like what Rudy Kenshin said. It's play talk, but I much prefer my play talk to the reality. Uh, that's fair. Uh, shall we Go commence ahead. with the track? I, am, uh, I, I listened to this on YouTube as best as I could. I think I got through it about two times. Right. Uh, I, when I, I listen to things on YouTube, if I'm not actively taking notes, I don't have strong memories of each song. So I am just gonna, I'm just gonna piggyback when I feel when I feel it's appropriate. All right, you do that. I am. When we get to the Robert Plant series, it'll be on vinyl in front of my stereo, getting the full experience, and I'm better that way. Keefe's writing notes. I am looking at my notes really quick. Okay. All well done and good. We have we have we have amped up this record, I think, as much as we could. And now we'll commence with the track by track. All right, let's do it. Starting off with Collision, which is a very good can opener, kind of pull the Pringles lid off track. Very similar to the first track on King for a Day. Also, I think it's it's short. It's like three minutes and change. Mostly riffs and Patton. Lot there's a lot of guitar work on this album a lot more than there has been in previous records, which was nice. <sighs> this song is good, don't get me wrong. 
It's just not my faith no more. I get you. And I I differ here, and I think this is a very good Faith No More track. Uh, really great vocals by Patton. Agreed. Very cool juxtaposition between the verse and the chorus riff. I don't think you ever... And heavier. I, on this record, I don't think you need to say very great vocals by Patton. Right, they're just insane. 10 of 10. All the time. The he's, he's on some ill shit on this record, I gotta tell you. Uh, even in little places... Even in little places, I think this, the, he definitely continues, his star continues to ascend here. It's no wonder that he goes on to do insane shit in the next you know, phase of his career. Everything that, that he wants to do and more. Exactly. Um, next track is Strip Search. It's Borden, Hudson, and Gould. Uh, again, another kind of direct straight-ahead song. It's a little bit longer. Um, That's in, you're, You've just explained the problem I have with this record. Everything is very straight ahead. It is and a little more straight ahead, but I think they had to go. I think that's a reaction to the last record. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, when the doors went from the soft parade, where did they go next? Morrison Hotel. Right. Well, what's interesting here also is like, so this is the first record with a different producer ever. So ah. Roly Moisman, who is known for being the drummer in Swans, who would sound like, oh, the drummer of Swans would be, and he's produced like all kinds of great avant-garde. It's almost like you could tell Patton picked this guy. <laughs> And like, but then he, that guy didn't get that that record. That guy should have produced was the last one, and this is the record Wallace should have produced. You know, <laughs> like yeah, it, it, mistakes were made. I don't I know think. if it's a mistake. I'm just saying it's a choice, and it's an interesting one. You may call it a mistake. I don't think so. For my take, okay, everything I'm gonna say <clears throat> is based simply. It's not fact, but it's gonna be stated as that. Yeah, well, because we all do that. I take it, everything this is, you say as a fact. So, oh, fair enough. This is. <laughs> This is all my opinion, and my opinion so far with these two songs is there is not enough differentiation in them. And this, I, I'm not hearing the Gould and Bottom, Bottom. For Bottom's, me. he's still kind of like not, there. He's not, his dominant spot in the band is not there. Unfortunately, it doesn't come back until the the comeback record, which we're not going to discuss. To me, that's what makes it my faith no more. It it doesn't have yeah. that that thump, and that thump is what makes is what differentiates them from everyone else. Right. I mean, I I want to say also that Strip Search was a single. Um, it was supposed to be a, a single available for purchase, and the record company canceled it at the last minute. Um, which is weird. And, um, but you know, it is kind of, again, it's a unique, it's straight ahead, but it's got elements of like trip hop and like, uh, Portishead in it because that's, Mike was listening to a lot of Portishead at this time. And, um, you know, uh, it is, it is the B, I think the B side to the single of Strip Search is their, was their Bee Gees cover. I started to joke, <laughs> which, you know, I don't love the Bee Gees. I said this before. It's really from the last release, but like. An incredible cover. I don't like the BG. I, I love Saturday Night song. Fever. I will admit it. I don't somehow, own it, but I love I still it. Care about you, but uh, look, I have. I mean, everybody that I talk to tends to like have this idea of the music I listen to, and I, the music I listen to is everything mm. to a point. Fair enough. Um. Solid song to me. Not great. Was a single. The Bee Gees? No, this strip search. Oh. I'm not going to talk about the Bee Gees. Sorry. 
Uh, third track, and the clearly most popular song on the record, uh, Last Cup of Sorrow, MTV certified hit. That was Very a good straight one. A, straight ahead song. Very straight ahead song. Mid-tempo, almost plotting. And um, it is, uh, you know, a Gould Patton special. There is Faith a no great more, though, keyboard is... part on here that Bottom plays. I don't think he necessarily got a writing credit. But there is an, a very cool synthesizer, uh, faux electric piano part on here. Faith No More to me is always plotting. They're not fast. They're not slow. And I, I don't mean that badly. I mean, that's just their thing. And it's... They're, they're always at like 90 beats per minute. And you know they can go faster. But they don't. It's always a bit uncomfortable. And that's what this song was. This song was uncomfortable in a really good way. This, To me, this was the best song on the album by far. It's the, the one I can remember. It's the one I can remember specifically. And really, really get into. And the video... I, I do have to say, once they stop making videos based off of uh, We Care A Lot, I don't like any of them. Okay, well that's weird. Um, except for except for midlife crisis, that one was fun. Okay. Um, then too much a of couple... too much of like Mike's doing this thing where he's like with his little Klingon mustache. I just no. Uh, other fame. Once more into the breach when you do Star Trek Three. Uh, mm-hmm. Other famous musicians that went the Klingon mustache would be Mick Mars and Joe Perry. Horrible. Everyone, knock it the fuck off. Sorry. Pinky's up. Yep. So then we move into... Now, here here comes a great one. Naked in front of the computer. And, I mean, now... I think we've all been naked in front of the computer, at least partially at this point. But in 1998, seven, eight, it was a new thing. And that was what Mike Patton wrote about was, you know, your email becomes this thing that more more people than just me, because I was emailing since 1992, because I'm a nerd. And now all of a sudden people are doing emails. And now we're all working from home and God only knows what we're wearing, what we're wearing at home. One of my coworkers uh, got a little bit... Uh, open about what he wears at home and I was not pleased. Mm. Yeah, it's uh it's a it's an interesting one for sure. It's a solo, there's a several solo Patton compositions on here and that's one of them. I'll say that. Um the better story than it is a song. It was very forward thinking and kudos. Indeed. Um Give me one more second. I'm sorry. Um, no worries. I will talk about... Uh, we go into Helpless, which is written by Borden, Patton, Gould. Uh, interesting how Mike Borden gets several co-writing credits per record. You know, what's the old joke? What's the last thing the drummer said before he was kicked out of the band? I have hey, a guys. Song. I wrote a song. Hey, guys. I wrote a song. It's a hey, and on Amagama... Pink, uh, Nick Mason's uh, Half Aside is a fucking drum solo. That's true. Um, 
Uh, hey, look, he knows what he can do and he knows what he can't. Like I said, the Family Guy cutaway joke about Ringo Starr. It's like, hey, guys, I wrote a song today about a yellow submarine. And Paul goes, oh, that's great, Ringo. We're going to put that right here on the fridge. Um, <laughs> yeah, bo- you know, um, Puffy has writing credits. He write- He makes music. He writes songs, not just the drummer. He's actually contributing to the tracks in a meaningful way. Uh, I think that's a gift of this band. Helpless is one of my favorite songs on the record. Maybe my favorite song on the record. Um, they have only performed it one time ever. Um, it really is an exercise in the simplicity. You can make a chorus literally three notes and have it be incredibly powerful depending on how you play those three notes. And um, What's and the really, old saying? Three chords and the truth. Yeah. Uh, I famously or infamously performed this song on Happy Hour with Heather on the Facebook group of our friend. Uh, I Heather did that Rose. and I just bitched about people not sharing things. Nice. Yeah, I did I did a little half acoustic performance and half a talkie talkie Keith as the editor of Ghost Cold Mag thing. Um but Helpless is incredible. Also incredible to me, the next couple of songs, Mouth to Mouth as an as a little more upbeat rocker. Um maybe even like an alternative rock, if you will, for them. Um Great vocal, of course, again, great chorus, cool riff, no solo. Um, well, and to me, we're getting into the, the soft underbelly at this point where the highs have already come and gone and now we're into squidgy. See, see I don't agree because I think these three songs, five, six, and seven are three of the best songs on here, like for me. Uh, None of this... is excellent. None and of it, this stuff really jumped. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't feel like Faith No More. It felt like a different band, and it it just. Uh, I mean, Helpless has elements of like it's definitely a Patton jam, even though you know it's it's kind of a very collaborative written song. Um, maybe it's Ashes to Ashes. There's one song in this era in this area, and again, I was listening to YouTube in the car on the way home and at work, and you know as best as I can do. But there was one song in this vicinity that was very much Old Faith No More with a little bit of the thump. Not yeah, the full I, thump, but a I little. I think Ashes to Ashes is an, is an excellent... It was also a single, is an excellent song. And some of the best, just like... Yeah, I think it's actually one of the best songs. Maybe even the top five best songs. If you had to have five out of 12, that's definitely in the upper echelon. Let, See, let like me apologize songs. again, because... Keefe knows these songs backwards and forwards in a way that I never will. Yeah, but I mean, like, if I just sit here and spooge on every track, like, that's not interesting to the listener at all. I, so, no, like, I'm just I prefer... saying I don't remember them as well as you right, do, and I, apolo- I apologize for that. And I feel unprepared, exposed, and naked in front of a computer. Hey, now. Which maybe I am. You don't know. We didn't see your nipples this episode. That was two episodes ago. I will say this. It's okay. I want if I want to just hear myself talk, I'll just turn off this podcast and talk to myself like I do all the time. So, I'm not about to take your shirt off. I don't know. I just got you set up in your seat like you're about to. No, I'm get, wearing my get, my STL style. Oh, okay. It's the Florida Lee. I like that. It almost looked like um and and I thought it was an Adidas shirt. Um, I love these these middle these middle songs of the record are excellent to me and some of, helpless and ashes ashes are easily two of my favorite and mouth to mouth is very strong to me. One one of the good. tricks about sequencing an album is putting your squiffier material in the middle. It's it's like it, it, you 
it's like uh, it's like stand up comedy, man. You got to start strong and you got to finish strong. You can't be like pancakes, all good at the middle, and by ten minutes I'm sick of them. Mitch Hedberg. Totally true. Um, then to me, where the al- it's not they're not weak, but to me, where the album kind of goes back to King for a day a little bit in the wild section is she loves me not and got that feeling. Got that feeling is a total Patton riff. It's almost punk. And uh, She Loves Me Not is just kind of there. And it doesn't do a lot for me. It's okay. I know there are people who love that song, but I'm not one of them. Port, Borden, Gould, and Patton. So again, bottom, Roddy is not a lot on here either, which is, you know, maybe the problem, is that he's not dominating well, the proceedings. it's not just that. It It's also, they have a set it and forget it tone on this album. You know what else I just noticed? This is the first album ever where the only lyricist is Matt, is Mike. Because mm. even Sol Invictus has lyrics from other people. So this is really... Yeah, this a is one-off. a different... This is a real different Faith No More record in a totally different way than King for a Day was a totally different Faith No More There's record. not even, like, clean tones and distorted tones. It's, it's, it's complete set it and forget it. And when that happens for me, Mike Patton is able to do whatever the fuck he wants all over it. Like, you know, he, he is making it his horse. He's breaking this horse, and it's fine, and he's great. But the music behind him lacks panache, as it were. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to argue against that. I think some of this stuff has tons of it, but okay. Here's a track, and perhaps the best late album track here. This song is mind-blowingly good to me. This is Paths of Glory, and it does have a backstory that maybe compounds the greatness for me. Uh, There are only two songs on this whole album written by the whole band. This is one of them, Ashes to Ashes being the other. And so Paths of Glory is a retelling of the movie Paths of Glory, which is the very first film by Stanley Kubrick. It is a war film from the 50s. Not seen that one. About the horrors of war... And what happens if you have an unethical leader or general who who already has a sense of what's going to happen with the outcome of the the, you know, the conflict and literally sends his men, sets them up for failure because he's fucking checked out. That's a very bad synopsis of a brilliant movie. Patton is a Kubrick obsessive, which makes a lot of sense when you think about how obsessive Kubrick was about his art and it tells you a lot about Mike and how he is. I will not say a word against Mike on anything he's ever done. Because he, once he came in, and once Jim was relegated a bit to the sides, mm. Patton became the straw that stirs the drink, which is great. Mm. And he's amazing. And if I were in a band with him, I'd be like, what are we doing today, buddy? Yeah. You tell me and I'm going to do that. I would also liken Michael's vocal performance on this track to be like a Miles Davis trumpet line. It is Wow. His control of his voice, his control of his instrument, but also the creativity to go against all the use the entire palette of his talent. This song is it. So I really think this is a very underrated song. This is a great song also at the same time. If you haven't delved deep, a lot of people just listen to the first few songs and they go on to something else, or they go to Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube and the hits are there, so you'll get the singles. 
You know, everybody knows Last Cup of Sorrow. Everybody knows it was an MTV staple. Um, you might know Ashes to Ashes. If you're a, if you're a real fan, you know Strip Search also. But like some of these late tracks, Helpless and Passive Glory, mid to late album tracks are spectacular. Um, and go see Paths of Glory. It's it's an interesting film. It's done on the least a little slow. Like these movies were paced. Uh, all of all of Kubrick's movies were slow, except well, this for is a his first recording. thing ever. And the studio this is a really interesting. And I'm not going to go Kubrick on you, but like, there's a whole backstory about how I love he's, Kubrick. He's great, but like the the movie studio almost didn't put the movie out because of him. Mm. Of course, of course. And he well, won all kinds of awards after uh... it came out, and he was like, "See, in your face, in your face." He definitely said that quote unquote in your face in 1958. Um. Uh, anywho. Always blazing trails, that Kubrick. He is always blazing trails. Homesick Home is an, is a, an all patent composition, and it also reminds me of uh, some of the material on uh, King for a Day. It's kind of like a little country ditty, unintentional alt-country song um, with, with Mike in his very deep, bassy Mike voice. I'm you can tell how home. different Keefe and I are because he sees so much in these songs that I don't see and I don't okay. hear. And, and I'm not complaining. I'm not. It's, it's okay. And it, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, avant-garde black metal. If you're not well versed in it, I remember having a conversation at a soccer game with a friend of mine who was like, he'd say, "Oh yeah, I, I heard." I would hear these interviews on NPR with these avant-garde folk metal artists and they would talk about it and it would sound really great. And then I would listen to it and I'd go, this is just noise metal. I've heard this a thousand times. Well, you have to know how to hear it, to, to hear the difference, to hear why Forever Autumn's latest record is different than Mayhem or Venom or, or what. And... You know, for those for the initiated, Venom and Mayhem are not even the same genre of music, even though they're lumped together that way. Right, right. Well, Venom, it's really like Venom is Nuwabum. Venom is Nuwabum. It's not black. They metal. use a lot of I'll Satanism imagery. They're not Satanists. They use a lot of you know, the words black metal, which was very smart. Um, I'll die yeah. on that hill. They are not black metal, but no, that's no, besides no. the point. Not really. Um. Anywho, the album closes with Pristina, which is an interesting choice to close on because it is kind of, I don't want to say it's out with a whimper and not a bang, but it's definitely subdued for a closing track. I don't expect every track to be Dyer's Eve, but like, you know, I think... I like a closing track to be subdued, though. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a soft punctuation mark on the album, a soft period and not a punctuation mark on the I, album. I want the closing track on a record to be an ellipsis. I don't want an exclamation point. I don't want a period. I want you to just kind of fade away. And then that makes me want the next sentence. You know, Kisses mm. Black Diamond. Not that I will ever uh, hold up Kiss as much as I love them. As, as as wrong as I am for doing so. As much as I love them, their ending of their first record, Black Diamond, with that slow fade out continuing to slow down is the ultimate album closer and no one no one has it done better 
Peter Chris is the greatest singer Kiss has ever had. And Disagree. Anywho, so Pristina ends, and I'm just going to quickly touch on some bonus tracks. Uh, there's a lot of remixes on this album, because remixes were the thing back then. Oh my god, everywhere. Everyone had a remix that's, album. That's how Fatboy Slim got rich. Basically. Um, but the one original that's kind of a bonus, that's worth checking out, is a song called The Big Kahuna. You have to say it like that one of you. Say, The Big Kahuna. I just got to ask you a question. Yeah. What's a kahuna? And is it good to have a big one? <laughs> Back to the beach, everybody. Frankie and Annette. Yeah. 30 years after they were relevant. I know. Um, Pee Wee Herman was in it. Yeah, he was. There's a really great remix. The Probably the best remix of all the remixed songs on the many bonuses would be The Last Cup of Sorrow Ramstein mix. Ramstein was infamous for remixing other people's songs. They had only had two albums out at this point, but they were like becoming humongous. The Rangers in their Stanley Cup year used to skate out to Duhast. Thank you. <sighs> Stefan Mateau and Marc Messier, the Rangers have done it. Okay, anyway, real quick, if we're going to talk about our team Stanley Cup victories in our lifetimes, did I tell you, do you know what the Blues theme that year was? I don't. It was Gloria. Not by the Doors, but by uh, the disco singer. I bought a 12-inch vinyl copy of it during the playoff run. And after every game, after every playoff game that they won, they would it was play Gloria. So they would play Gloria to... to, to... Gloria by yeah. Laura Branigan? Yes, by Laura Branigan. Uh, I mean, she's great. I'll tell the story another time, not on this thing, but I would actually... I left it on the turntable in the living room, not where I'm sitting now in the sitting room. So that way, when I was done watching it and they won, I could listen to Gloria on vinyl on a 12-inch single because I thought buying a 7-inch or buying the album was very pedestrian. So I had to go 12-inch radio single, which is what I've got. And because I was doing IPAs for the win, IPAs FTW, get it? That's my, that was my hashtag. I was pretty fucking drunk after every game. Sounds like it. Worth uh, it. I also want to say, so I started a joke, ended up becoming its own single after the record had been out for a while. And then they had a B-side to that, which was another, a Bacharach, Burt Bacharach, Hal David cover of This Guy's In Love With You. Again, humor always. There's, again, a satire that flows through the Faith No More music, even in their choices of covers that I don't think a lot of people get. There are a lot of subtle, funny things. But anyway, um, so I guess I saved the bum-out story for last. Face No More comes around on tour, and I'm supposed to go see them for my birthday, but my mom dies on my birthday, the night of the show. Uh, infamously, Limp Bizkit was the opening act on the East Coast leg of the tour before they were like kind of kicked off or getting booed off too many times. But I was actually disappointed to not see... Limp Bizkit and Faith No More, and I think Helmet was also on that bill, and you know how much I love them. So, what a bummer. Oh, I think Helmet and Melvin's were the next week, and I missed that show also. I'll, I'll tell you, I, uh, away. when my cousin died, who was like my brother, I had an Ace Fraley show to review. I actually had a comp ticket for that, so I still went. But yeah, no, I, I having someone that you love deeply, like my father-in-law, yeah. dying on your birthday. And yeah, and then, the, and, then the band, and then the band broke up six months later. <laughs> So I was like, nah, 
All right, and let me bring this back to uh, everybody getting angry at Nick. Well, no, well, before you do uh, that, oh, sorry, sorry. Before go ahead. we do that, let's just—I just, just want to say—so they they break up, they go their separate ways. Mike goes into eighty other bands, especially Phantom Us and Tomahawk at this time. And Bungle puts out their final album, California, in twenty twenty in two thousand two thousand one. And you know the band is quiet for over a decade, and then in. Then there's a lot of like demand for them to come reunite. Festivals throw money at them, but it wasn't the right time. Will they come back? Will they not come back? They decide they're going to make a comeback and they're going to perform for the anniversary of King for a Day, of all things. They're going to reunite and perform that whole album in, I'm going to say Argentina or Chile or both, where the band is still very huge to this day. Everybody's big in Chile. And they come back... And they, it's like Japan, and they yeah. come back and they do a one-off headline festival performance there of the whole album and a few hits. And it's the guys with John Hudson. And they're like, this went pretty well. Maybe we should get back together and tour. So they go on the reunited tour. And they go tour. They start with a handful of shows and that handful of shows becomes festival headliners and those festival headliners become years of touring Leading up to the comeback record, Sol Invictus, which I will just briefly say is much more along the lines of this album, Album of the Year, and King for a Day than the earlier Faith and War that you love. However, there are four or five bangers on that. All right. That was, my, my question is, and you're a much bigger fan of this band than I am. I like the first three. I got off the train. That's it, just the way it is. This album to me is very samey. It's very straight ahead. And Faith No More is very anti-straight ahead unless you're doing covers. And even then. But on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being Black Sabbath 13 and 10 being Carcass Surgical Steel. See, five, I like 13, but okay. What? I like oh, 13. But 13 okay. sucks ass. All right, fine, fine. Not 13. One being Kiss Psycho Circus. Well done. And 10 being Carcass Surgical Steel. Carcass Surgical Steel, yeah. Where is Soul Invictus? Is that what you're about to ask me? Yes. I would probably give it an 8. The average person would give it like a 7. All right. I need to ask somebody a little bit more objective. Someone more impartial than I. Somebody less keefy. Someone a lot less keefy-weefy. I mean, and that's actually something we can do next week. I'm going to – let's – next week, let's you and I come up with four or five for our chaser because we got to – this is the shot. Next week is the chaser. Let's do – next week's topic is reunion studio records. Hmm. That's a tough one, but all right. Not, they don't have to be good. Just pick a couple. Still, yeah, I mean, yeah. We've already talk, talked about most of them right here. Uh, Fair. All right. I like that, though. Um, anyway, I, so I like for me, this record. Now you can sum up. Go ahead. My, my sum up is pretty simple. You know, is this a good record? Yes. Is it a good Faith No More record? No. It's, it's, it doesn't have any of what I love about Faith No More. And mm. the, the things about Faith No More that I love, I love intensely. And it's not here. It's 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 a different band, and there's only three guys left over from Introduce Yourself, which was my real, not pun not intended, uh, 
it, it was my real introduction, and that is still my favorite thing they've ever done. It is wacky, it is goofy, it is ridiculous. This is serious, this is straightforward. It's not avant-garde, it doesn't have the thump, it doesn't have the groove. It's it's closer to just straight-ahead mid-90s metal. This isn't far enough away from, say, Load or Jar of Flies or Super Unknown for me. Fair enough. I don't think that's an unfair uh, assessment. I would somewhat agree with that. I do think the... I think it's got some bangers. I think it's got some deep cuts that are worth revisiting. Um, I would put this ahead of King for a Day by a straight-up full notch, whatever that notch oh, is. Oh, my God, like fourth. I mean, King for a Day, I'm sorry. I, I hate it. It's got some stale farts on it, but there are some great tracks. I hated um, that one. You really I hated did. it. Um, and I really love Soul Invictus almost to the point where I have that over King for a Day also. But that's me. All right. You know I'm what? It's a reunion it. record. You can talk about it next week. I will so. talk about it next week. I'll talk about it next week. I think okay. I have said... All I have had to say, except that it's been fun revisiting these records with you, whether you like them or not. I like I, most. I, I liked them. most of them. I listen to Faith No More weekly, if not daily, and I listen to Angel Dust weekly as a just all the way through. It is one of my I'll, favorite records. Ever. I will say this: uh, my opinions on my opinion on Introduce Yourself did not change. My opinion on Epic went up a bit. The the, the real thing. The real thing, I'm sorry. We'll the just real call thing, it a, yes. Hey, Pantera. Let's <laughs> just start referring to the band, to the album as the single. That's the hit. Fair I enough. I love Enter Sandman, the record. <laughs> and Sam, Be true. nice. I am not nice. Sorry. You're, go ahead. Okay. The, my, my opinion on the real thing did go up. My opinion on Angel Dust skyrocketed. Mm. It was way better than I remember. <sighs> King for a Day is fuck terrible. For me, I mean, just it, it was a chore to get through, and I listened to it two or three times, and I hate myself for those ninety minutes that are gone, or however many. Uh, album of the year, definitely mistitled. I don't know what year it came out, but I'm sure I can find something better. Ninety-seven for sure. It wasn't the album of the year in ninety-seven. No, it w- was it bad. No, was it terrible. No, it was just a different band. Than I mm. wanted, and that's mm. and that's fine. I mean, bands grow, bands change. Sometimes, you know, I get on the train, I can get off, and you know, move somewhere else, and is what it is. But that's all I have. I I have enjoyed, I have enjoyed going back through Faith No More, giving them a closer listen, listening to bits of Faith No More that I've never heard. And for the record, I still have not heard Saul Invictus. So, is what it is. Probably won't, based on everything I've heard. I don't want to. I don't want to hear it. And that's fine. I am one dude with a podcast that tens and tens of people listen to. So I don't matter. Anything else? Not right now. Alrighty. This has been the Glacially Musical Podcast. Maybe it plays in Peoria, but fuck it.